0: This is Weird Paul, and when I'm not busy being weird, I'm busy playing Commodore 64 games and listening to Rob O'Hara on Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle. Hello, and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Kung Fu Master, which was chosen as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like Jason Palmer, Legs Like Mine, and Richard Smith. If you would like to help pick the next episode's game or just support my podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and sign up today. Kung Fu Master was published for the Commodore 64 in 1985 by Data East. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. We have discussed Data East on previous episodes. The first game they released for the Commodore 64 was Burger Time. They released Commando, Ikari Warriors, Breakthrough, Speed Buggy, Rampage, Robocop Karnov, and many other arcade classics that were ported to the Commodore 64. If you want to hear more about Data East, you can go back to episode 24, which was Karate Champ on Sprite Castle. Uh, The game was actually developed by Irem. Irem? Irem? (laughs) Uh, This is uh, who developed the uh, arcade game. we're going to talk a little bit about that company. They are probably, their first big hit was Moon Patrol, which has ties to this game. They went on to do R-Type, Kid Nicky, Vigilante, Ninja Spirit, and Dragon Breed. So uh, there's a lot of classic arcade titles that they developed. This specific version for the Commodore 64 was ported by a company named... Berkeley Softworks. Now, we have actually talked about Berkeley Softworks before on this podcast because they are responsible for exactly two ports to the Commodore 64. The other one was Karate Champ, which I just mentioned we did on episode 24. And the other one is this game, Kung Fu Master. Uh, But their biggest contribution to the Commodore 64 is probably not those two games. They are more well known for Geos, the graphic uh, operating system for the Commodore 64 and a few other uh, 8-bit systems. Kung Fu Master has such an interesting backstory. It has so much trivia. It is tied to so many things that in the next few minutes, I really plan to blow your mind with a bunch of information about Kung Fu Master. Before... We could talk about Kung Fu Master. I've got to tell you about an old Kung Fu movie that was released in 1984. It was called Wheels on Meals. It starred Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung. Jackie Chan uh, and Yin Biao star as two cousins, Thomas and David. They run a food truck, and Sammo Hung is a detective. I believe he is um uh, dave's cousin uh, or there's uh, a some relative of dave's uh, his name is Moby in the movie. The whole movie is very funny there's a lot of great action uh you know there's a lot of comedy that comes from jackie chan and and his cousin running this food truck and of course uh, they run into bad guys all over the place. Uh, they also run into a girl named Sylvia who is a pickpocket and she actually picks the pocket of some guys that appear to be, uh, an organized crime or, or maybe some sort of mafia, uh, and she gets kidnapped. And she is taken away to this giant Spanish castle. And so all three guys uh, basically have to infiltrate the castle. Once they get in, uh, they climb uh, stairs, they go to different levels, they fight these different guys that are kind of like bosses, and they keep um, climbing up to the top, you know, until they eventually rescue Sylvia. Now, uh, in Japan, the name was not Meals on, or uh, Wheels on Meals. Most people say Meals on Wheels. We'll talk about that in a moment, too. Uh, but the name of the, of the movie in Japan was Spartan X. There's a reason I'm telling you all this. Uh, but in the United States, Spartan X didn't really mean anything. And so they named the movie Meals on Wheels because uh, these two cousins run a food truck. But Chinese culture in general is very superstitious, from what I understand. And uh, Golden Harvest had released two movies prior to this that both flopped and both started with the letter M. Uh, The one right before this, you may have heard of, was called Megaforce. (laughs) So they did not want to call the movie Meals on Wheels, which is an actual term. Because it started with the letter M. So they switched it around and called it Wheels on Meals, which really doesn't make any sense. But at least it doesn't start with the letter M. So that's how the movie got this kind of odd name. Now, let's jump to Irem, who we talked about. They were an arcade game developer. And they were purchasing the rights to release, uh, uh arcade or, uh, movie titles, right? They were going to port some movie titles to arcade games and they got the license to port, uh, or they got the, the license for Spartan X, uh, which again is what, uh, uh wheels on meals was released as in uh, China. So they, um, they gave the game to, for development to a man named Takeshi, uh, Nishiyama and, uh, Nishiyama was a developer of arcade games that he had developed moon patrol. So, uh, Takeshi Nishiyama is the person who developed moon patrol. And so he was given this title Spartan X to see, Hey, what could you do with this to turn it into a game? Well, I mean, this movie is all over the place. It's about these cousins. They run a food truck. Uh, they, they fight guys on motorcycles. I mean, there's all kinds of really, really, really crazy things. But, uh, what, uh, Nishiyama focused on was the ending where you have to go into the, or the, the two guys, Jackie Chan and, uh, and his cousin, uh, David and Thomas, uh, Uh, go into the the castle to rescue Sylvia. He thought just that part would probably make a pretty good arcade game. Now, uh, when he was actually approached about making this title, he said he really didn't want to do this title. He really wanted to make a game based on the movie Uh, Game of Death, which is the famous Bruce Lee movie, if you've not seen it. uh, It is a movie where uh, literally Bruce Lee goes into this castle or this, uh, you know, pagoda style building, and he goes through multiple levels. And at the end of each level, he has to fight a boss. And then when he's done with that boss, he climbs a ladder or stairs and he goes to the next level and goes through that level and fights another boss. So, um, Nishiyama said that would make a great game, uh, which I agree with him (laughs) would make a great game, but they don't have the rights to game of death. They have the rights to this movie called Spartan X. So Nishiyama says, I'm just going to make a game called Spartan X but I'm going to base it on game of death. I'm basically going to take the whole idea of game of death and kind of sort of make it like Spartan X. And that uh, is going to be the game. So he's going to mix these two ideas. Now what he brings to the table here is, uh, if you think about fighting games at this time, this is 1985, 84, 85 for the arcade game. Um, But most fighting games were like Karate Champ, where they took place on one screen, and you had two people that were fighting. And he said, that that's no good. Uh, He has a better idea. And what he's going to do is more or less take the concept of Moon Patrol, which was the game he had previously developed, where you are forced to constantly be moving. You have to keep moving, uh, and you have this game that's scrolling, and that's how you will encounter uh, your enemies. So he basically takes... I mean, not not literally the engine of Moon Patrol, but he takes that idea of scrolling to one one direction uh, and going and and fighting stuff. So he he kind of he basically makes a fighting game that's mixed with Moon Patrol. <laughs> okay. Um, And then he says, well, what are we going to do with this? And he says, I'm just going to do Game of Death. I'm going to do five levels and put a a, you know henchman on each level. And then at the end of each level, I'm going to put an end boss, right? By the way, in the movie Game of Death, the place where Bruce Lee goes is called the Devil's Temple. And in Kung Fu Master, it's called the Devil's Temple. (laughs) I mean, it is literally lifted from uh, Bruce Lee's Game of Death. But they have to tie this in to um, Spartan X, right? Uh, so so he's like, well, what, what is this game going to be? He says, you know, it's, it's like um, a beat-em-up type game. Like you just keep moving and beat up guys. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Kung Fu Master is listed as the very first beat-em-up brawler. So this is a game. This is one of those genre games. Defining games. I mean, there has to be a game that's first and most people consider this one to be the first. Now, this game has been developed, this arcade game, and they've got the license for Spartan X. They released the arcade game. uh, It becomes very popular and now they are going to export it to other countries, including the United States. But they have to pay for this license for Spartan X and it really makes no sense to send the game to the United States and pay the money to call it Spartan X when nobody in the United States knows what Spartan X means because the movie Spartan X, when it was released in China, uh, here in the United States is known as wheels on meals, but wheels on meals is also a very terrible name for this arcade game because there are no wheels, nor are there meals. (laughs) There's just a guy, uh, doing Kung Fu and fighting people. So, uh, they say, you know what, here's the thing. We're not going to call it Spartan X and they renamed it Kung Fu master in the United States. Now we're going to fast forward. Cause I'm, I'm not done blowing your mind here. <laughs> so. Enter. This is all nineteen eighty four. This is all nineteen eighty four. We've got the arcade game. Irem has released it overseas. Now they've really, or they, you know, they've released it in Japan as Spartan X. They've released it now in the United States as Kung Fu Master. It becomes this huge hit. Now, at this same time, there is another little company called Nintendo, and Nintendo is working on their first games that they are going to release at launch. With the title of their brand new, uh, uh, gaming system, the Nintendo entertainment system or the NES, or some people say the NES or the NES, I call it the Nintendo (laughs) because that's how old I am. And so there's this guy you may have heard of called Shigeru Miyamoto. And he has this idea for a platform game. And this platform game is eventually going to become super Mario brothers. But what he doesn't really understand or know how to do is make a scrolling game. So he needs, you know, experience and, and code and ideas for a game. That's a scrolling game. So he basically volunteers and reaches out to work on the port of Kung Fu Master, the arcade game, to the Nintendo Entertainment System for the sole purpose of learning how to make smooth-scrolling games. (laughs) And he learns this, this code, and he works with this team, or, you know, very, very, very small team back then, but they figure out how to make this smoothly-scrolling game, and that essentially is how he turns around and makes super Mario brothers. So you can draw a direct connection and say that without the release of Kung Fu master and without the port of Kung Fu master to the Nintendo entertainment system, super Mario brothers might not look like what it looks like today. And it might not exist. That's a crazy, crazy thought. Now, All of these people, I mean, obviously we know um, what happened to Miyamoto and his career with Nintendo. Um, The uh, the fellow uh, Nishiyama, who developed the arcade version for iRim, he was hired by Capcom uh, and then eventually moved to SNK. So his claim to fame wasn't really the scrolling part of Kung Fu master. Uh, you know, he did the scrolling in moon patrol. He did the scrolling in Kung Fu master, but that's not what really interested him. What he wanted to do was, uh, focus more on the fighting engines. And so he basically did street fighter. Then he did fatal fury. He also did king of fighters. So, That was really where he went from Kung Fu Master. He went into these person, you know, one-on-one fighting style games. So this uh, is a legendary game. Uh, It is a historic game. It is important as part of gaming history. I think a lot of people overlook Kung Fu Master because today it looks very simple, but it was a genre-defining game. It was also a career launching game uh for a lot of people i believe uh kung fu master is in the top 10 uh it's definitely in the top 20 but i think it's in the top 10 best-selling nintendo cartridges um in uh 1986 the year after it was released it was in the top five selling games for the Commodore 64. It's very, like I said, it's it's very uh, historical, and it's hard now if you weren't there to remember just how popular Kung Fu Master was. So according to the manual, in Kung Fu Master, you are the Kung Fu Master. You don't really, I mean, you do have a name, but it doesn't mention it there. <laughs> uh, your name in the game is Thomas. By the way, you are Thomas from the movie... Uh, wheels on meals. It just doesn't say it at that point. Your goal is to travel through the Wizard's Temple, which in the arcade game, again, if you'll recall, it was the Devil's Temple, but they've changed it um, due to licensing. They don't want to get sued for calling it Devil's Temple at this point, because now they've brought it to the U.S. So now it's the Wizard's Temple, and your goal is to rescue the maiden being held captive. Use your own martial arts skill to defeat the weapon-wielding henchmen, dragons, demons, and other evil obstacles, which stand in your way. Uh, again, we talked about it was uh, very heavily, it's a combination of uh, Wheels on Meals, the movie, and Game of Death. That's basically the pop culture references for this game. And, and we, of course, we discussed the uh, um, arcade version. The front of the box has this giant, uh, it looks like maybe a temple In the background, we have a kung fu master, and I do have to say that the term kung fu is hyphenated. So uh, that's something I always have to remember when I'm writing "Er Kung Fu is that I always want to put "Er" and hyphenate it there. It's not, <laughs> but the word Kung Fu is hyphenated and here it is hyphenated as well, Kung-Fu um, Master. We also have uh, two guys that are wearing blue karate geese uh, and one is just kicking the other guy in the face, <laughs> And it's a great action shot. Um, so there are a lot of different covers that you will see uh, for different releases for the Commodore 64. There's a cassette. There's a disc version. I think there's a cartridge version of this as well. Uh, plus, you know, the Nintendo, uh, uh, Atari, there's all kinds of versions, and they all have different box covers. So if you look up box cover, you're, you're liable to see a lot of different types um, of artwork or, or designs for the box. On the back, one of the things that Data East and a lot of these companies did that were porting arcade games is they always wanted to mention that this was an arcade game. And right at the top of the box, it says a number one arcade hit for your computer. At the bottom, it says arcade realism brought to your home. So this is a big, big selling point at that time for games for home home computers, you know, and, and also for video game consoles. But I think computers, uh, you know, at this time probably had better games. Uh, well, I won't say that. I won't say that, but, um, but you know, the point was that, you know, this was the arcade game, but now you can play it at home. So that was a big, huge selling point. Uh, then it says it has more text on the back. It says martial arts experts and demons of every description are your obstacles in this fast paced video action thriller. Travel through the wizard's temple to rescue the fair maiden held capture. You must avoid demons along with dragons, snakes, and killer bees. That's something we'll talk about. Uh, Beware of weapon-wielding henchmen and defeat each of the deadly guardians to advance to each of the five floors. Your only defense is your own martial arts skill. Uh, I just want to point out a couple things. Number one, I love, I, I just absolutely love marketing jargon. I love the way that it says, uh, you know, these are your obstacles in a fast paced video action thriller, man. You could just really unpack that sentence, you know, fast paced that tells you it's going to be, you know, a lot of action. And then it says video Action, you know, so there's going to be a lot of stuff on the screen, and then it says thriller. It doesn't say game or something like that. So I just love how much work goes into crafting and putting uh, so much energy in just a very, uh, you know, few words. Again, we have reference to the fair maiden. Now, what we know, and as it as she's referred to in the game, uh, is it's Sylvia. (laughs) It is literally Sylvia from uh, wheels on meals and from Spartan X. But, uh, once it gets to the U S they try to, you know, because it's not licensed, it's not a licensed Spartan X game. They remove those references. So it's interesting to see how it changed. The Japanese version is very different from the U S version in these references. I did take a look at the manual, and this is from the era. There were a lot of companies that did this to save money. This manual covers both the Apple II and the Commodore 64 version, uh, which are two very different systems. Obviously, as we know, and as I've talked about, the Apple II had joysticks that have two buttons, where the Commodore 64 uses a traditional Atari DB9 joystick that only has one fire button. So the controls are different between the two games. Loading the game on a computer system is different between the Apple II and the Commodore 64. So it's literally an entire, you know, every section says, here's how you do it on the Apple, Here's how you do it on the Commodore. (laughs) And then it keeps doing that all the way through the manual. I also found uh, a pretty big typographical error in the manual. And this is an actual, I have an actual um, copy of the original manual. But all the disc loading sections say Karate Champ instead of Kung Fu Master. And it's I don't have the wrong manual. This is definitely the manual for Kung Fu Master. It has the picture of Kung Fu Master and all the instructions for Kung Fu Master. But on all the parts for loading the game, it says, you know, insert your Karate Champ disc, which is the other game that um, Berkeley ported over to the Commodore 64. So I'm guessing they just recycled that and somebody... Forgot to update the text in that section, so just a, a weird little trivia thing uh, to run across uh, there's not, nothing big uh, related to loading the game. you get it loaded up uh, the title screen is is pretty bland uh, and then you get to one of these old school menu screens. And there was a lot of games like this in the early eighties for the Commodore 64 that, um, just would blast you with a bunch of text, you know, where you had to pick all your options before starting the game. Um, like one-on-one, a lot of sports games had things like this, but anyway, there's a, uh, um, you know, you have to go through line by line and set up the game before you actually start. So you get to choose whether you are going to play with one or two players, uh this is a, it's only one player at a time so if you choose two players you're just going to be alternating uh back and forth. I think you even use the same joystick. You just pass the joystick uh between players. You can choose your own difficulty level. There's uh, options of 1 through 5. So if you ever watch my streams uh which are Wednesday nights <laughs> <laughs> on Twitch, you know, I always would choose level one <laughs> and I always choose easy. Uh, and once you've set all these things up, then there's an option to start the game. Uh, so the, um, once you start, you'll see the game screen and you have this view that's kind of almost deceptive. It looks like you're looking at a very large cross section of this building and you are, but, uh, it, your character, which is decent sized. He's larger than um, a lot of games, I mean, he's a decent sized uh, sprite. But you'll notice there's a lot of information at the top. You've got your score, high score, how many players you have left, things like that. Then you can see the actual pagoda that you're inside. And uh, this is a two dimensional game. You only move left to right and right to left. You can't uh, move, you know, forward or backward in the game space. It's strictly two dimensional. Uh, I find it interesting that in the first level, uh, and this is a a thing that you see sometimes when you play early games, you see games that were invented before a standard came about. And this is one of those games. Uh, in the first level, you start on the right hand side of the screen and you scroll all the way to the left. So you move from right to left. That's. I mean, if you think of any side-scrolling game now, that's not how it works. All side-scrolling games start with you on the left and moving to the right. So I just find it interesting that um, this kind of goes against that convention, because I don't think there was a convention. And I, I was wondering... You know, at least as far as, um, you know, what I know about the Atari uh, from the book Racing the Beam and arcade games, the way that CRT monitors work, uh, I I know that it fills the screen from left to right. So I don't know if that would make it easier to make a side-scrolling game where things move from left to right on a technical level. I I really don't know the answer to that. Um, But it does... Feel a little jarring when you first uh, start the game off. It feels weird that you're moving from right to left instead of um, left to right. Uh, So the controls, as you might imagine, on a joystick, left and right, move the Kung Fu Master left and right. And you are um, not just moving, but you are walking from one side of the level all the way to the other side, just like, you know, Double Dragon or any kind of side-scrolling beat-em-up. You have to get from point A uh, to point B. Uh, up on the joystick jumps and down crouches, and you will need to use those in combination with attacks. Now in the arcade game, the Apple II version on any version where there are two joystick buttons, the two buttons do two different attacks. One is punch. The other is kick. Commodore 64 only has one button. And so the way that they get around that, and this is one of those things where if you just pirated the game, you might not have known this. You might not have figured out how to do this, but you have to press the space bar to alternate between your attacks. So uh, it defaults. The game starts with you kicking. So, you know. Up is a high kick, medium is a, a, a mid-level kick, down and crouched is a low kick, but there's no way to punch until you press the space bar, and now you're punching. Now, there's a couple of reasons to switch between attacks. The first is, uh, generally speaking, the closer an enemy is to you, the more points you get. Um, and, and But that doesn't mean if you, I mean, kicking is always the same. And punching is always the same. But but the idea is that uh, it's harder. The timing has to be closer if you are punching your enemy. So if you're trying to actually get a high score in this game, you really have to do punches. Uh, kicking is easier because they're further away and there's a little bit more room for error. Um, but there is at least one boss I can think of and um, uh, a couple of other uh, enemies, especially later in the game... Uh, Where you kind of have to punch. Kicking doesn't really work, but most of the time you want to kick unless you're trying to get a high score. So, um, my point is, is that, uh, you really, you can't just leave it on one choice and play the whole game. You can't get through the whole game just kicking. Um, you, you just won't be able to, uh, to defeat the game. Now, the function keys, which are right there on the Commodore 64, have some uh, features that they do in this game. F1 will quit the game. So if you're playing the game and you go, what do these buttons do? And you hit F1, you'll find out real quick what F1 does. (laughs) Uh, F5 turns the sound on and off. Um, It always always strikes me as something interesting because, uh, especially for the Commodore 64, the Commodore 64 does not have a built-in speaker. You have to send audio out to a monitor or television, which would have a volume knob. I never saw a Commodore monitor that didn't have a speaker and a volume knob. So um, it's odd that they put that as a feature. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just a nicety, but. You could turn the volume down. That's what I'm saying. Um, F7 will pause the game as well. So uh, you may uh, you may find that handy if you are doing a lot of Kung Fu mastering and need to take a break. So as we talked about, just like Game of Death, uh, Kung Fu Master has five different levels. And as you work through the levels, you will have to fight a series of enemies that each level has uh, adds different types of I won't say ads because some of them are specific to specific levels um so but each level is different let's say that um and so the odd number levels one three and five because that's where you start out on one you will move from right to left and then at the end of the level after beating the boss you climb up a set of stairs and then on levels two and four you move from left to right. So you are kind of zigzagging your way uh, up through this, this temple that you're fighting your way through. Um, Levels one, three and five are pretty similar in that you have to fight um, mostly uh, people and levels two and four are kind of similar in that they have unique enemies that only appear on those levels. Um, and, And we'll talk about those in just a second. Um, the humans that you fight, the most common one you will see is the henchmen. I think they are also referred to as grabbers. These are unarmed guys, soldiers, uh, guards that run at you, and then they will grab you, and they will hold out like on a bear hug. And as long as they're holding on to you, they will your your health meter will go down. So this is not a one-hit Type game. This is every time you get hit, your health meter goes down, 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 down. And then you have, uh, I have, you know, three or five, five men, uh, you know, and then after that, the game is over. So these guys will, if they get close enough to you, they will get you in a bear hug and you will see your health meter going down. And the way, if you didn't kick them or punch them before and they've grabbed you in the bear hug, the way to get rid of them is to literally wiggle the joystick left and right and you will shake them off and they will fall off of, uh, uh, the little platform you're on to their death. So that's how to beat the henchman. You will also encounter knife throwers. These guys show up knife throwers take two hits to kill. So that makes them slightly more annoying. It's also, they're more annoying because they throw knives. <laughs> that's the name <laughs> knife thrower. Uh, and knife throwers can throw knives at two different heights. They can throw uh, a, a low knife or a high knife. So you have to watch the, the graphic and determine very quickly if they're throwing high or low. So if they're throwing high, you can duck. If they're throwing low, you can jump. But really the key is to take those guys out uh, as soon as you uh, uh, encounter them. And one of the, the best things, if you're you're moving and the knife thrower shows up, you could do a jump kick and uh, and then follow it up with a second kick and take those guys out really quick. The game also has what it calls dwarfs. Um, These are tiny little people that uh, come along. That they're almost like they're um, they're not they're not supposed to be like uh, real uh, people in real life that have dwarfism. They are like magical kind of dwarfs, Uh, and they will run at you, and um, so you could jump over them. Uh, But sometimes they will jump up and do a somersault and bounce off your head. (laughs) So you can defeat those with a jumping kick, or I think you can duck under those. Um, But those come up later uh, by level three, I think, is where the, uh, the magical dwarfs start showing up. So that's kind of like what levels 1, 3, and 5 are like. 1 is mostly henchmen uh, with a few knife throwers. 3 is knife throwers, henchmen, and dwarves. And then 5 has pretty much everything. Now in levels 2 and 4, uh, it's, the enemies that you'll be finding are different styles. There are these globes that will fall down from the ceiling. Sometimes they hover, sometimes they fall down and explode. Um, and after you play a while, you'll begin to recognize which colors and which ones, uh, what's about to happen. Uh, some of the ones, it's almost like a, a vase. It looks like it will fall and break open and a giant fire-breathing dragon will appear and it will show up, breathe fire at you. And so you have to kick that guy and disappear. You will also see... um. Some of them launch snakes, and i don 't think you can kick the snakes. I think you have to jump over snakes um, and they're just they 're really small, but you, you just have to jump over those when you come. Uh, there are these globes that will explode it looks like a globe full of confetti, and when that explodes it 's just like shrapnel that fills, so you got to run away from those or you have to uh, kick them open very quickly. Um, and then finally, there are killer bees, which get uh, released, and they will chase you, and you can uh, run away or, or try to jump and kick those. Now, what's interesting is uh, on the Nintendo version, those are referred to as killer moths. I don't really understand why they changed it. I mean, that's such a non-consequential, like, what's, either one of the games, when you look at it, you would not think, Those are moths or they are bees. They're just dots. So I don't know why they made that change. Sometimes things just get lost in translation um, figuratively or literally. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, in Nintendo, and I'm not sure what the arcade game refers to them as. I think they're bees in the arcade game, but they are definitely bees um, on the Commodore 64 version. So as you work your way up these five levels, you will eventually reach one of the five end bosses. Uh, they are in order Stickmaster, the Boomerang Fighter, the Giant, the Black Magician, and finally, Mr. X. Now, in the Japanese version of this game, that is Spartan X. <laughs> but in this version on the, released in the U.S., it is Mr. X. Uh, Stickmaster is a guy with a big stick. Um, boomerang guy has a boomerang and these are pretty obvious, the giant, um, they had to change the giant slightly because when they originally designed the giant, uh, it is a, uh, obviously it's a, it's a, a black character who's very tall and in game of death in the Bruce Lee movie, one of the end that he fights is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was a student of Bruce Lee's. And so when they originally made this game, it's very obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and they changed it. so they made the character like a kind of big fat guy. <laughs> so it wouldn't look as much like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, then you have the black wizard who um, is probably, or black magician is his name. Uh, he's probably the most challenging uh, end boss to face because um, you have to figure out what attacks work. Now, You know, years later, you could Google it and, and there are walkthroughs that people will tell you, but at the time it was very difficult because a lot of these characters, you would just normally do a high kick and a high kick on the black magician just knocks his head off. And then he laughs and he picks his head up and puts his head back on. So it doesn't do any damage and you can't hit him with a low kick. This is one of the end bosses where really the only way to defeat him is with punches so you have to do the crouching punch that's the most effective attack against uh the black magician uh and then finally we have mr x who for some reason is probably the easiest inbox uh if you just get close to him and kick a bunch of times uh, you can you can beat mr x uh this game does have some bugs and some easter eggs i'm gonna talk about those uh, more about these in a minute but i one of the, the ones that we found at the very beginning, and and we found this as kids, and we found it just as a joke, is when you get to the end of the first level, when you get all the way to the end and there's the end boss, we would joke and say, like, nope, not fighting that guy, and we ran all the way back to the beginning of the level. But when you run all the way to the beginning of the level, it wraps around, and you'll be behind the big boss, so you can just kick him from the backside, and he can't hit you. So there are a few little bugs like that in this game, but, you know, eh, no game's perfect. (laughs) So once you play Kung Fu Master, some things will become uh, obvious to you. The first thing is your best approach is to always keep moving forward. If you stand in one spot, uh, two things will happen. Number one, the same enemies will attack you over and over and over. They will just keep respawning and attacking you. Uh, and number two, there's a timer and you get points for how much is left on the timer. So standing in one place is no good. You got to keep moving, uh, always keep moving towards the exit. The end bosses, each one has a particular vulnerability, a way to beat them, but most of them all suffer from the same problem, which is they can't back up past the exit stairs. And so, if you could get past whatever their initial attack is and pin them up against the stairs, most of them are easily defeatable that way. Um, You know, again, like I said, each one is different. Like the Black Magician has the thing where his head comes off. the uh, um, The giant will kick, but you could do a jump kick over his foot and and hit him every time. So, um, you know, it's just a lot of uh, you know, like any game. There's there's a specific strategy. For fighting each one and each one is a little bit different the scores for each enemy are listed in the manual and there are two scores listed because the first one uh is for a kick and the second one is for um a punch so you will see things like uh henchmen, uh 100 points for a kick 200 for a punch knife throwers 500 800 The falling vase or ball is 300, 200. It's interesting that those are swapped because it is actually harder to get those with a flying kick than it is uh, to hit them with a punch. Uh, The dragons are 2,000 and 2,000, so it's the same amount of points. The floating uh, globes are 1,000. Dwarfs are 200 or 300 The jumping dwarf is 400 and 400, so the ones that are jumping, if you could pick them out of midair, it's worth a few more points. Bees are 500 or 600, and bats are 2,000 or 2,000. They're the same. Uh, And then it just says, in the manual it says guardians, which again are the end bosses, and then it just says question mark. So uh, I think... I think what that's saying is you're going to get however many points are left on the bonus uh, whenever you defeat the Guardian. So uh, your score will vary depending on how quickly you're able to work your way through the level. Now, um, there are a few trivia facts uh, and Easter eggs in this game. I mentioned one about being able to, at least on level one, wrap around uh, and fight the, the first boss from the backside, which is a weird bug. Um, one interesting trivia fact is this game, Kung Fu Master is listed as the first arcade game to feature a real person. So, uh, at least on the arcade version, and they tried on the eight bit, eight bit, uh, conversions, but the arcade version that is supposed to be Jackie Chan, <laughs> because again, the code, this is the same game. This is Spartan X based on the movie Spartan X and you are supposed to be playing Thomas, which was Jackie Chan. And so this was the first uh, video game where they tried to make a likeness of an actual person. So I thought that was interesting. Kung Fu master only on the Commodore 64 has one of the greatest Easter eggs I've ever seen in a video game. Now, This is great. (laughs) I'm just setting you up. This is great. Now, this only works on the first level. um, And uh, I don't remember if we actually found this on our own. Probably not. Maybe somebody told us. Um, But Kung Fu Master is all about, you know, kicking and punching and and trying to time, getting the guys close enough uh, to you where you can attack and defend yourself. But if the guy comes towards you and you press shift, And the letter G on the keyboard, Kung Fu Master will pull out a gun and shoot. (laughs) This is not something that's in the arcade version. This is not something that I believe is in any other port. I believe it's only the Commodore 64 port. Whenever you first see it, you will laugh. It is so funny. And you can do it throughout the entire level. You can go through the entire level and just press Shift-G and Kung Fu Master will shoot. He only shoots... Uh, forward facing, uh, and and by that I mean to the left. So if you turn around to the right, it doesn't work. It only is if you're moving to the left. And by the time you get to the second level, it doesn't work. So this is not something that's built into the entire game. Uh, it's just a first level Easter egg, and it also pops up with one of the programmers' names. Uh, I love this. Is one of my favorite Easter eggs from any computer game. Uh, you know, in the early days, Easter eggs were mostly about, uh, um, the programmers hiding their name in games. And, and like I said, this does have a programmer's name. So it is that, but it's what a funny way to do it. I just really, uh, really have enjoyed that. And it's so funny. Every time you show that to somebody, uh, they will really get a kick out of it. And I mean, as you're going through especially on the first level, it makes it easy to shoot, you know, all those grabbers, you know, and the knife throwers and um, even those uh, honey-making bees. Hey, speaking of honey. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Today, we are going on a field trip to a local farmer's market. There's a farmer's market just down the street from Sprite Castle, and we're borrowing my van from Big Rob's van, and we've loaded up BPG, Mike McLaughlin, and Petzl Z9K9, all Patreon supporters, and we're headed over to this local farmer's market. It's uh, literally, it is right down the street from Sprite Castle. I have been there. They have fresh salsa which is very enjoyable. They have uh, farm fresh eggs, which are the price of gold <laughs> apparently right now. But one of my favorite things they have over here are honey sticks. These are, if you've never had them, uh, I think it's kind of a, a country kind of thing. You will always see them at uh, these types of uh, farmer's markets, but it's like a straw that's sealed on both ends and it is filled with natural honey and I've been doing really good on my diet. I haven't been eating a lot of processed sugar. I haven't been, um, you know, I've, I've been doing pretty good. And, uh, boy, if you, you just buy one of these, by the way, they're 50 cents. So like, I always think they're going to be like $3 or five bucks and they're 50 cents. So I always buy a handful of them. So, uh, you guys, everybody over there, Petzl, just get however many you want. Just, yeah, I got it. Um, you know, they're, they're just so inexpensive that, uh, like you just feel like a king with a $5 bill. You're like, I'll take as many as I want. Uh, but you forget how sweet natural honey is. I just had one of these last weekend, and uh, they are so good. So uh, while the guys browse through the farmer's market and take a look at, uh, I've got a little bit of news, Commodore-related news. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is... Is Nick Vivid? Now, I don't know if you are familiar with Nick Vivid. He is a musician. He does—I uh, don't even know how to describe his music. It is this um, uh, amazingly interesting combination of uh, funk and retro wave and synth pop and pop music. Uh, it's, it's incredibly interesting. Uh, a lot of his songs sound very simple. And then when you start to listen to them, uh, they're just so layered with interesting things. And Nick vivid is currently on tour, uh, in, uh, Japan right now. Um, I think I read on his website, uh, his w- website is nickvivid.com. By the way, this is not a paid promotion. I'm just telling you about this guy, Nick vivid. Uh, that his influences, I would say, well, I think he says that they are, um, he mentions David Bowie. He mentions Iggy Pop. I would throw Beck in there just as the, because he's so eclectic in the music that he does. Uh, if you go to YouTube and look up Nick Vivid, you could see some of his music videos. He's very, uh, he, he's a big character you know, and he has a lot of costumes and he has a lot of production. It's very, if you're into eighties and, and synth pop and interesting type music, I think you'll get a kick out of it. But the other, the reason I'm mentioning him here is that when I was looking up his name, Nick vivid has several, uh, music demos listed on the Commodore scene database, CSDB.dk. So he's released, uh, some of the things that he's done. He's also done, uh, music releases for the Commodore 64. So, uh I'm following Nick on Instagram, which is where I discovered him. Uh so he is Nick Vivid on Instagram, but um super interesting guy, super friendly, uh and I love the music and I love the Commodore 64 connection. So, uh I just purchased uh, uh a couple of Nick Vivid albums uh and um have been listening on uh, Spotify to some other stuff so if you're if you're looking for some retro 80s style music uh check out nick vivid and also uh go if you want some commodore music uh you know demos and things like that go to the csdb and type nick vivid into the search and you'll find uh, a half a dozen music demos which are uh, super awesome as well Uh, I spent the weekend playing the new release of uh, Dig Dug, which is called Dig Dug Revival for the Commodore 64. It is a upgraded version of the original Dig Dug. I've always liked the original version of Dig Dug for the Commodore 64, but this uh, has some new features. And one of the most interesting features to me is that the levels are randomized. So if you, um, I think I like on a normal, I know in the arcade version, uh, a good game for me is to get somewhere between like level 13, 14, 15, somewhere like that. Uh, but for the first, I don't know, eight to 10 levels, uh, I have a pattern just because I've played it so many times. You have a pattern where, you know, you're going to dig, you know, where to drop the rocks, you know, how to lure, um, the different enemies, you know, fight and pukas, uh, so it, 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 becomes very pattern based. And so by randomizing the levels, it, this really adds a new level, uh, or a new layer of fun to Dig Dug. So, uh, Dig Dug Revival is a free download. You can go search for Dig Dug Revival and give that, uh, give that a try. I also saw in our new releases, a game called Win Games, which I checked out and it is the... Uh, package of Windows 3.1 or 3.11 games released for the Commodore 64. So if you were one of those people that loved playing Solitaire and you loved playing Free Cell and you missed playing Minesweeper, uh, you could download this game for the Commodore called Win Games, and you can play all those games once again on our glorious Commodore 64. So uh, that that is uh, the way that I will be um, as I'm waiting For these guys over here to finish picking out their honey sticks, I'll be killing a little bit of time here with wind games. So Uh, if you would like to go on a ride with us or join us on the uh, Sprite Castle dining experience or just help pick a game or just support one of my goofy podcasts, go visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. While everybody else, I mean, they've got the honey sticks, but now I can see everybody needs to wash their hands. So (laughs) you guys go wash your hands and I'm going to get back to finishing this episode. Reviews of Kung Fu Master were good, but not great. The highest one I found was from Your Commodore, which gave it a 82%. Commodore User gave it a 80%, and Zap gave it 79%. Other magazines rated it a little lower. Commodore Force gave it a 56%. And I saw a lot of reviews right around the 50%. Uh, Lemon64, their aggregate score is 7.49, which... Um, Might be a little high if you're looking at it, (laughs) but, you know, ballpark, let's say it's a 7 out of 10 game. Uh, We talked about the arcade version that inspired this port, and obviously we know that it was on the Commodore 64. But this game also appeared on the MSX, uh, the original Nintendo, the Apple II, the Amstrad CPC, uh, the uh, ZX Spectrum. There's a release on the Game Boy. It was released on the Atari 7,800, which is a really good version. And it was also ported to the Atari 2,600, and it is surprisingly good for an Atari 2,600 game. So, uh, if you have any of those systems and you want to check out other ports of the game as well, you can, um, This game did receive uh, what is called a spiritual successor. Um, Vigilante and Trojan were games that were similar to this. And of course, those are all games that are helping define that side-scrolling beat-em-up genre that we are all now familiar with today. But it also received a direct sequel. Now, most people have never played Kung Fu Master 2 because there's not a Kung Fu Master 2. But uh, overseas... There was a Spartan X2, which was released in 1991. That did not get a direct U.S. release, but it continues the story of Thomas and Sylvia and those characters from Wheels on Meals. Uh, If you want to own a copy of Kung Fu Master, it's not that expensive. I saw complete copies for $30 available on eBay. Uh, Again, you would need to look and see because it was released in multiple regions. Make sure that you're looking for, uh, you know, the proper NTSC or PAL uh, or overseas version. It's also available on disc and cassette, and I'm pretty sure it came out on cartridge as well, so if you're looking to own a copy that you're actually wanting to play, make sure you, you look at those details. And now let's get into my personal memories of Kung Fu Master. All right, time travelers, seek the to the doorway to the past. Huh? Huh? As I have said on previous episodes, I got my Commodore 64 in 1985 and used it as my primary machine through about 1993. Over that time, I built up more than 600 discs of downloaded games, and this, I believe, is on disc number 30. So this was a very early game in my Commodore collection, a very early acquisition. Again, it's 1985. This is the same year that I got my Commodore. So um, it was a hot new title whenever I got my computer. Um, I loved the arcade version of the game. So uh, getting this on the home computer, you know, on the Commodore 64 was—I just thought that was was super awesome. Uh, you know, I originally played this on our SX 64, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is the the small portable Commodore 64 with a five-inch. Color CRT screen and on a five inch screen, this looks exactly like the arcade version. It is like you cannot tell the difference. Now, on a larger monitor, obviously, you know, it doesn't look quite as good as the arcade game. Um, but it's really close, uh, it's really good. You know, there's not a lot of stuff that's missing from the arcade version to the Commodore 64 port. So, I just remember feeling like, you know, this is. Why I have a Commodore, because I can play ports that are really, really good of arcade games, but I can now, uh, play them in my house. Now this came out during the time when we had our computer store and I also had a copy for the Apple II. And I do remember playing that obviously the Apple II version, I think is, uh, I don't want to say monochrome, but at most, the colors are not, um, very good as compared to the Commodore 64 version, which is, uh, again, like I said, very comparable to the arcade version. So, uh, the Apple version did have the two buttons, but I just never found that a deal breaker on this version. That was just, um, something that we kind of accepted. Like, um, you may have to use the space bar when playing a game and you actually, I remember holding the joystick, like an Atari joystick where my right hand was kind of uh, holding the right side of the joystick, but also controlling the joystick. And my left hand was cupped underneath the joystick. My left thumb was doing the fire button, but my index finger was extended and you could use it to hit the space bar. Uh, There were other games that required that. I remember Commando very specifically, where you shot your gun with the fire button, but you threw grenades with the space bar. So it wasn't uh, an unheard of control scheme and it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Again, you got to think that the Commodore was sitting right there on your desk. You were sitting right in front of it. So it's not like you were across the room or like miles away from the space bar. (laughs) It was all kind of right there, you know? So, um, you know, looking back, it may seem like a little bit of a awkward or archaic control scheme, but at the time, uh, it just didn't seem uh, to be that big of a deal. I also remember spending a lot of time, a lot of time, trying to figure out how to beat the bosses because, again, Uh, This was a time where there wasn't an internet, there wasn't, uh, you know, maybe there would be something on bulletin boards or maybe in a magazine, but most of all, it was discovery, your own discovery of playing a game. And so I do remember getting frustrated of having to beat, you know, an entire level worth of enemies only to get to an end boss and just get immediately defeated and trying things over and over and over. You know, maybe the low kicks, nope, now you're dead. Maybe it's high kicks, nope, now I'm dead. You know, and so just trying to figure out what each weakness was. In one way, you could see that as being frustrating, but in another way, it really added um, longevity to the game. You know, it wasn't for me; it wasn't a type of game that you could just run through. Um, but I do want to mention this. While I was researching this episode, I looked on YouTube for a playthrough of this game before I jumped into it uh, and started playing again, and I found a walkthrough, a guy where he beats the entire game, he goes from the beginning to the end, and it takes him just under five minutes. It's like four minutes and 45 seconds to beat the entire game. I feel like a dope when I see videos like that and I think, I played this game for 20 years or 30 years and I never, you know, I mean, if I did beat it, I don't know, it just took time after time and all these enemies and stuff like that. And I do think I did eventually beat it. Um, But to watch somebody sit down and play a game from beginning to end in less than five minutes, uh, it's kind of eye-opening that it would have been at the time if we'd had the skills, we could have done it. But instead we just thought it was this, you know, never ending game, uh, that we just, we'd played for years. It got years worth of enjoyment. So I'm glad I'm actually, I'm glad we weren't that good at the game <laughs> and that we were able to enjoy it for a long time. For graphics, I give Kung Fu Master 4 out of 5. It might be 4.5 out of 5. It's really, really good, and it looks very similar to the arcade version. Uh, for music, I'm going to give it 3 out of 5. The music's not bad, but it's very repetitive and very simple, and you will get tired of the music if you play this for any amount of time. The sound effects are kind of the same way. They're very simple, and they are kind of repetitive. They don't get in the way, but they don't really escalate uh, the action of the game. Overall, I'm going to give this game four out of five. Again, I've said this before, for uh, modern game players, it may seem overly simplistic. It may seem frustrating, Um, so I don't know how well it has aged for people of the next generation of games, but uh, it is a very historical game. uh, It's easily playable, and it does have a place in gaming history. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. I got to mention I'm on Instagram now too, also as Commodore. So come find me on Instagram. We're having fun over there. Uh, Kung Fu Master was selected as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like Steve Rasmussen, Mark Alley, and Mr. Bundy. If you would like to help pick games to be featured on future episodes of Sprite Castle, read behind-the-scenes blog posts, watch weekly videos, get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and receive other additional perks, support tier start at just $2 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara sprite castle is available on all major podcast providers including the official amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash amigos podcast for more details about all my shows you can go to podcast.robohara.com to find out more news and game details for sprite castle come from websites such as commodore news indie retro news the commodore scene database lemon 64 and moby games thanks again for listening Now get back to Saving Sylvia, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.